0: Everybody, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Julie Richards. I'm Sarah Wakefield, and today we are off the beaten path with Angela C.S. Green. Thank you for joining us today, Angela.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm uh, excited to see where we land with everything we talk about today.
0: Yeah. So I met Angela at a writer's workshop this spring. And so we were actually partnered together and had a little bit of one-on-one time, which was nice to reflect on our writing and the things that we were growing in and setting some goals and thinking about um, expressive arts and things like that. So Angela and I have had a chance to connect a little bit and stay in touch a little bit. And so we're excited to have you today.
1: Yeah. It's funny how, um, since we met via zoom, like I'm in Colorado and you're in Ohio and it's like cool how, uh, technology is how people connect.
0: Yes. I love that. Yeah well why don't we start with just tell us a little bit about who you are angela and anything of your
1: story that you would like to share sure so my i'm currently located in colorado as i mentioned i'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of colorado Um, i also do training and um, i'm a mom and a wife and all those good things on the side and I just planted a garden. So I think that's fun to hear about is like I'm always trying to learn and grow. So I have not personally planted a garden, at least to the effect it is in my yard today. Uh, So I'm excited to see where that goes. So um, that's a little bit about me. I didn't mention my business. My business is named Creating Change Counseling and Education. I actually just launched that recently. So I've moved from, um, I worked at Children's Hospital Colorado as of late, and so it's a new adventure, many new adventures.
0: Yeah, sounds like it's starting spring and planting. (laughs) I love the metaphor of growth Mm -hmm. and learning and new business. And where did your journey of mental health begin what has that like evolved with for you how has it become something of importance to you
1: well i think you know just like many people uh, growing up and just being a human being it's like you're in these relationships and these situations but personally i actually uh became a teen mom i had my son at 17 years old and so i was at it was a university hospital and one of the requirements of uh the teen moms was to visit with a counselor. So this was like a hospital staff personnel. And I was like, what is this that she's doing? She's asking me if I'm okay and like, you know, how like I'm emotionally and I'm like, what is all this stuff? But I, and I didn't feel comfortable talking to her, but eventually I actually started college and I went to interview her for my career course. And I was like, she's like, yeah, I'm a counselor at the hospital. And I, you know, when, there's crisis, you know, somebody's um, end of life, or, you know, maybe there's a a miscarriage or a loss of a baby or something like that. That was like her role, you know, that crisis counselor that we uh, see in hospitals today, but that was like very foreign to me. And so I always thought, you know, my circumstance, um, although challenging, I feel successful in being a mother early, Um, but really I thought, like I feel like relationships really impacted the outcomes I had and so that really the like desire to learn about myself and improve relationships in my life and others is really what motivated me uh, to dive into mental health as we know it so
0: being all about relationships at the core yes I'm
1: Yes, I'm very relational. to even in what I have a personal mission statement. <laughs> and that's one of my Oh, let's values. hear it. Yeah,
2: let's, let's hear it.
1: Yes, my mission my personal mission statement is I am made up of all the elements of being whole and complete. I am me. I show up the way I need to from moment to moment, from person to person. I create authentic, authenticity and connection. Mm. And
0: and what was the Um, inspiration for writing that mission statement? At what age or stage or what brought you to that place of putting that into words?
1: So uh, journeys. Uh, I was working for a domestic and sexual violence program at the time. I wanted to build some leadership skills where I was at. And so I had, um, I did a lot of uh, prevention education. So um, I had, I, I don't know, I call it a what are the, woman's or something with one of the trainers that i met along the way and i called her and she says well i did this leadership training and it's like an energy leadership and so i actually went to this workshop um with a, i think it's startup colorado or something like that i'm saying it wrong at the moment um but we did a whole two or three day workshop on developing uh your leadership skills and it really is around positive psychology and there's like all these like levels of Um, energy that you kind of uh, vibe off or I guess get triggered by and so you do a whole like uh, assessment and then you get coached on it and then like I said you do some course um, work and then yeah eventually you end up with a mission statement and I actually went a second time and then ended up with a personal statement which I don't know how I differentiate the two but I have both (laughs) so yeah that's how I did that
2: that is just wonderful i love that it's um a little bit it's more long lasting you know we talked about yoga last last couple times and mantras i don't know that we addressed Mm -hmm. mantras um but this sounds like very intentional and overarching so not just in a moment but something for your life
1: yes it was very much the philosophy is leading from the inside out so i think it's very much uh, just like we're saying the authenticity and really connecting and knowing who you are uh, because really it's the philosophy of this style is like how am i individually and then how do i express it to the world
0: Mm. which has to start from a place of knowing yourself yeah and like... funny
1: enough, this this was during a transition, so it was very emotional when I was doing this. Like, it was like mm-hmm. I left that job and it didn't end in the best note. So mm-hmm. I felt very, like, in a state of grief. And so it was interesting to have this um, to jump off of. And I don't know if you remember, Julie, when we were in the retreat, I was saying the same thing that, like, this reminded me of being in that place again when Mm i when i joined that workshop because i'm transitioning into this new path
0: yeah so in a way the mission statement maybe gave you a foundation or a grounding of these are the things that i believe in and this is who i am
1: yes i feel like it has helped me a lot because that job I loved in many ways, but at one point I plateaued, you know, I wasn't growing and I was really at a spot of, do I become the director or do I move on? And i was like, I oh, know I like direct service. I like working with people. I don't like writing grants and fundraising and things like that. So um, I didn't understand at the time why I was just like so, ups- I don't know if upset's the word, but so just like disconnected from, what the work I was doing and this really helped me identify it's like your values weren't being met in that job and so like you're saying I think it's it's helped me a lot is connect back to who am I you know and what are my values and like maybe what I'm doing in certain places aren't connecting with those values and so it's helped I think it's helped me um, pick up on things a lot quicker and not stay stuck in a place that I am not meant to be
2: So I'm really interested about your personal approach, um, and your practice, um, for your community. Uh, what are the foundations that you like to incorporate in as you guide people through therapy?
1: Well, I'm very person centered, so kind of whatever you want, we're going to do not that I don't have tools and ideas, but it's really like, you know, i'm trying to think of a client i had recently and you know they were working through a breakup and they were like i want to be more confident they their self-esteem had kind of been um broken through the relationship and so i'm like well what do you look like who are you if you're this like self-confident person on the other side and we were able to kind of get all those uh, traits and experiences Um, that they wanted. And so then I'm like, hey, let's check in. Where are you at with that person you want to be? Are you there yet? You know, and that's really um, helping them. Again, these were your words. Here are the tools I think we need to kind of support you in, like communication skills, or like uh, maybe we do, we need to do some trauma processing, which I did do with that client. And you know, she was able to process the grief from the breakup and some of the toxicness of it. And like, she's like, I'm so happy and she was traveling and she eventually was dating again. And, you know, she was connecting with all those things that she felt these are who I am, but I'm not doing them. So it was, is a cool process. Um, and so that's really what is like, just trying to help that person vision and launch that dream or that experience of who they want to be.
0: And I think going back to the concept of connection and relationship, such an important part of that is that you're accompanying them and helping them get there.
1: Yeah. So that like, I think of, so I'm also trained in play therapy and it's very much in that mindfulness aspect and in that, um, you know, we think of polyvagal theory and all that if you wanna get fancy into theories and um, Dan Siegel's work and the neuroscience, but just really like, okay, what do I feel? And then connecting that like, hey, you know, Sarah, I'm feeling a little bit anxious and I feel knots in my stomach, do you? You know, so um, really just kind of connecting with a client. And I know that's like a little bit, controversial with some of the things we're talked about like in therapy with the counter transference, like, Oh no, you gotta be like a clean slate for the client. But it's like, we are in a relationship. If you're telling me like all these hard stories, I'm having a response, uh, to my client communicating this, you know, and I've had to come into that too and balance. Like, when do I express like, yeah, that connecting to myself, because a lot of clients aren't in that connecting to themselves. They don't understand, um, you know, how our body and our mind are connected and, you know, they're, you know, clients are like, yeah, I clench my fists all the time. I didn't realize I was doing it. And we're like, okay, well, let's work on breath work. Let's work on those grounding and coping skills so that you can be more self aware and not just, you know, I'm white knuckling it and trying to get through my anxiety.
0: Well, and it sounds like that you were able to model for them. Here's what I'm noticing coming up in my body. And then that cues them to check in with their body and that you can have a joined presence together in the room.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very much like attachment. And, um, again, that regulation and co-regulation, I think I love that about play therapy. I don't practice as much with the, the, kiddos anymore I kind of sticking with teens and adults but I think it works with anybody and I've learned so much about kids through doing play therapy and, and having that experience with kids that I just think it translates right because we we often say like uh your past is you're just reliving your past in your adult relationships or in your life and until you heal those things or until you become aware you're not actually present and things like that so um, I don't know, they all tie back in. I just find them so fascinating. And so I always do try to do that body connection because we are so disconnected from, I think, our bodies. Um, we're just so external.
2: Can you talk a little bit more about play therapy and what that looks like?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually trained in what's called Synergetic Play Therapy, so there are different modalities uh, in play therapy, but this one is Synergetic Play Therapy, and I came across it, oh gosh, I think around 2012, um, it is pretty popular here in Colorado, and uh, Lisa Dion, who is the creator, has, man, she's uh a storm she's just made it all over i think she recently went to australia and so um really that attunement and that connecting again like i was saying in the playroom you're observing the child playing and you're kind of trying to make meaning like there's not like hey well if they're playing with a a doll that it means this it's really like how do i interpret how they're using it, what I know about them and their family, and how that might be um, playing out in the playroom, and then using my own again body to attune and adjust and make meaning of what they're doing. So again, with kids, their their way of communicating is through play. So if they're you know in the sand tray and they're doing certain things in the sand tray. Um, For instance, like Lisa has trained on um, certain tools, so like a sifter or a turkey baster, you know, and she's like, this emulates your nervous system. So for instance, if a kid's picking up the turkey baster, what does that symbolize? You know, they're really like restricting, right? Because a turkey baster is like really hard to move sand through or in and out of, and so then I'm having, again, that attunement in my experience of that play. I'm like, you know, I'm like, maybe I'm starting to hold my breath and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel anxious or I feel scared. And then I start doing that regulation for them and helping. I'm like that thermometer that they do not have in the room. You know, that temperature, that thermostat, their thermostat is broken. I
0: love Lisa Dion's work. I was introduced to her um, in the start of the pandemic when she mm-hmm. did a co-regulating of therapists i don't know if you were oh, a part yeah. of that or not but we she must like, have
1: been on there together yes. yeah we did that whole was series like,
0: <laughs> it was like 2000 people she was co-regulating with and she was you know notice what is your body saying to you that it needs and maybe it's i need to go get some water maybe it's i need to stretch maybe it's i need to move and it was very instrumental in teaching me more about being embodied and i love her work with with the playroom, she talks about the therapist being the most important part or the most important uh, tool in Mm -hmm. the, in the playroom is being able to co-regulate. She has views on aggression, her book on aggression, yeah, Um, just allowing it to be a safe space to co-regulate and, and feel supported, not to make it stop, but to listen to it and to um, attune and connect and and worked through really being able to feel, right. Cause she,
1: yeah. Because like you're saying, one of the things she also communicates is like, there's no good or bad if you're dysregulated or you're regulated, it doesn't matter. It's about like, are you aware of it? Are you trying to, you know, work through it? You're not ignoring it, you know? And like, that's been huge for me too, right? Because I think, and again, our world, it's like, well, you need to be calm. You need to be together. Like you can't have any of the feelings. And I know that again, going back to my past, it's like, well, will make you cry if you, you know, if you don't knock that off or like, we don't talk about this or, you know, just different things that our culture or even subcultures teach us around feelings is like, don't have them. And so I've been unlearning that and unpacking that. And so it's like, well, it's okay for me to have my feeling if I'm anxious right now. Okay. Am I able to manage it and work through it? or is it like overpowering me and that's where yeah i need the support into helping me regulate and coming back to myself and when i reach out to you guys that's kind of part of that uncertainty right is really like we live in a world where it's like hey you need to have a degree you need to have these shoes you need to have this makeup you need to have this much money or you don't mean anything and so it's like how do i know who i am even like biologically if everything outside of me is telling me i'm not okay until i have the thing and then i'm never happy Mm -hmm.
2: i really loved what you said about you know what lisa was saying about dysregulated or regulated You, you know are you it doesn't matter regulation versus dysregulation is not good versus bad it's are you noticing when you're there and that to me in that moment just hearing that again was incredibly freeing you know, you're talking about your anxiety because we. one of the aspects that, that I believed at the beginning of me- my mental health journey was, oh, well, if I'm doing everything right, then I won't be anxious. I won't be dysregulated. I, um, I'll be calm and I will act with grace in everything I do and I'll be all aspects of a healthy person and that's good and unhealthy is bad. And one of the big things that I've had to unlearn is what you just said um um living less moving outside or moving from good versus bad dysregulated regulated anxious versus peaceful and noticing just that freedom that comes with am I just noticing
1: mm-hmm. um
2: so that yeah. I just wanted to say that was really powerful to hear again
1: I I think it's powerful it is <laughs> yeah Lisa it's, it's Dion my, my life of-
0: Yeah, Lisa Dion talks about um, regulated does not mean calm. You know, everyone thinks that calm is the goal. And while that's great to be present, there are times that calm is not appropriate. (laughs) If something huge is happening, then it warrants that we put more energy towards it or that we, we notice what's needed in that moment. So it's not that we just stay this steady, kind of flat line, calm all the time. It's that we can move through these waves of um, different levels, maybe of regulation or dysregulation, and then coming back to, always coming back to my body, the breath, the feeling centered, feeling grounded, then I can respond in the way that's most present.
2: Right. So going back to play therapy, Um, I'm just super intrigued by this, but are, do you have anything that our listeners are, and by our listeners, I mean, myself, um, (laughs) could practice just on my own, some way to engage that nervous, that connection between my body, my brain, my nervous system and everything. Um, uh, do you have any. I mean, I think breath
1: work, the easiest thing is like your breath, just breathing we often don't even notice we're restricting or we're over, you know, extending our breath. And I think that's like the one thing that I always come back to is breath. I mean, obviously there's other tools, Um, you know, like Lisa has also taught me and not just her, like an EMDR, uh, another therapy, like the bilateral stimulation. So like that kind of stimulating, like, and I only reason I reference Lisa is because she taught me to massage bilaterally, my arm up and down and bilaterally, you know, so left and right, just to feel that. So to connecting back in your body, Uh, because again, if you think about it, so if I'm anxious, for example, right, I'm like in the anxiety, I'm like feeling it. The thoughts are like overpowering me. And I don't even notice that I'm in the moment. I'm not here. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to Julie. I'm like, my anxiety is like, oh, what are you doing? this doesn't make sense or you need to do this or you need to stop that. Or it's really like you take over in like all these habits or behaviors that you think are going to control or prevent that anxiety, instead of just being like, I'm anxious. Let me take a deep breath. You know, let me, you know, do, like I said, maybe a bilateral uh, massage on my arms or Um, even go outside and go for a walk and notice uh, the change in temperature can be a good thing, a change in uh, surroundings. So just kind of moving. I think intuitively we have our own ways of regulating, but we don't realize that we have them and we actually unlearn them as children. Like for example, you go to school and they're like, sit still in your chair. Well, the kid's rocking. That's how they regulate. And it's one of the ways Uh, we learn to regulate ourselves, you know, as a baby, you're getting rocked, you know, it's like, well, stop doing that. Because I said so, like, and it's like the dumbest thing, because where did it come from? I don't even know. But it's like, (laughs) you don't sit still. Yeah, I don't sit still. And I get it. Like, you know, they want structure in the classroom. Uh, They need certain, you know, certain behaviors are distracting. But at the same time, it's like, If we're like unlearning all the things that help us cope and just function as a human, you know, like I said, then you're in adulthood and you're like, man, I'm having this conversation with my boss and I'm freaking out right now and I just like want to run out of my skin or move and I can't because I was taught, sit still, Mm -hmm. you know, be nice, don't, don't say how you're really feeling or whatever, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. ridiculous, Mm -hmm. it's so counterintuitive. And and speaking of that, actually remind me of my daughter. So my daughter, uh, she's in middle school right now. She's a sixth grader and she's like, you know, and they started launching this, so I don't know. She's like, my drama teacher just cares so much about my, you know, well being. I don't think she said it like that, but she's like, she just cares. And we were talking about like things we could change in school if we wanted to. And she's like, for instance, like teachers have their cell phones out all the time. Why can't I have my cell phone out, you know? And it's like, teachers can have snacks in class and I can't, I have to wear a uniform and they can, and she's like, and the teacher just agreed with us. And it was just so nice that we felt equal to the teachers, Mm. but like, that's not the norm.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think we're becoming more aware of the need to to treat each other with value and not have so much hierarchy of you owe me the respect because of who I am. It's more of a, I see you as a precious and valuable human, no matter what age you are, and that we can see each other, hear each other, support each other, know that there are all these nervous systems in the classroom or in the space that we're in that. All of our nervous systems are speaking to each other. All of that energy is out in the room together. It's a lot for teachers today to be able to, how do they even focus on academics? Because there's so much that's stirred up emotionally, mentally, psychologically, you know, a lot. It's
1: not nice to be a teacher. I mean, I was i worked for a school district a couple of them and it's not it's like they they're trying to force these real unrealistic expectations and it's like oh well to tell these kids are cussing in the hall and you're like yo i gotta go get them in trouble now because they were cussing and i'm like not that i'm saying you should be cussing but it's like come on like is it worth your time and energy no like
2: well it makes you you wonder um what's the what's the history of that Why, why is this kid feeling the need to swear or to cuss in high school? Like what's going on in their lives that, you know, are they trying to impress? Are they, are, do they need to, do they need a recess? Do they need to get out and expend some energy? Because maybe the only way they can express themselves is verbally at this point, instead of being able to like
1: physically express themselves and get that out, I mean, I think developmentally teens are taking risks. So they might just be doing it because developmentally it's their time of development. It's like, (gasps) that's the no, no word. And now I can say it, or, you know, there could be other things, you know, you know, maybe that's how their family talks to them. Maybe it's like they do want to get in trouble because they need to get some, like you're saying something's going on and a needs unmet. So they're acting it out, you know, in some way. So it's, it's hard to say, until you get kind of in the weeds. Like Julie was saying, is like we all have these nervous systems. We're all doing things based on how, what state we're in, right? If I'm in a really Mm -hmm. dysregulated state, I mean, I think about this with my partner, like sometimes I'm like in a mood and I just need to get into argument. (laughs) Like, I'm not necessarily <laughs> conscious of it, but I'm like, there's all this tension inside of me. And then you're there. And I'm like, you're not even acknowledging me. So now I'm going to start, you know, picking at you more or less. I don't, you know, you can think about that. as like, the, I, his energy isn't matching mine, or I'm like, you know, uh, do you notice, can you handle my energy and I need you like the co-regulation again, I need some sort of regulation. and. If not, then I'm like, hey, well, then here we go, you know, and it's like not necessarily even an intentional thing, but when we look at it more, you know, objectively and less emotionally, it's like, oh, yeah, it totally makes sense why we're doing that thing, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: I love our conversation today has really centered around some of the topics that we've been talking about with our listeners on being more embodied and being able to connect with our breath and noticing what's happening inside of us and how we connect with each other. Even the EMDR, we talked about that recently on one of our episodes and on bilateral stimulation. I love bilaterals. I love that you mentioned the um, massage to the left arm and then to the right arm and just noticing where are we holding tension in our body? How can we help move that through and feel more regulated and more present? It's been really good.
1: Did you have other
0: things, Angela, that you wanted to share with our listeners?
1: Well, I think some of the things when we did our kind of correspondence of that, like living in in uncertainty. And I think it's something I've journeyed through because I think in some of the things we've already had been discussing is like, we're always in uncertainty. I think COVID did an excellent job about teaching us that we're never in control of anything. Um, And I think that's one of the most recent times I kind of dived in, but, just like, how do we do grief? How do we do hard feelings? How do we do the anxiety and all that stuff? And it's like, I, nobody taught me. Mm-hmm. And like, how do I just live with it? And it's like, you know, I was looking at a, a flyer for Al-Anon for families of alcoholics. And it was like, just for today, right? And so, like that present moment, just just live for today. Um, and I think it's in the AA or NA as well, but like, It's just like be present for today, because if you think too far ahead or you worry too far ahead, like it's just probably going to not end well. Not that we shouldn't goal set or have, you know, maybe uh, intentions or uh, visions or things like that. But it's like when we set too strong or set too like it has to happen like this, that and the other. And then like something happens in your world, like and you don't have those skills to regulate and feel your feelings like and again, you're looking outside yourself. So then we have the alcohol, the drugs, the, you know, I'm fighting either, or I'm internally, uh, violent to myself. So I, I always look at it externally violent or internally violent, like, you know, self-harm and suicide versus like I'm abusing a partner or I'm beating up or assaulting someone or using gun violence. I think I've journeyed into understanding that a little bit more. Um, and where that comes from. So, um, really unpacking that being versus doing all the time and needing that goal and that outcome to value who I am. And I guess going back to that vision statement in that, that mission statement that I shared with you is like, just kind of knowing who am I, because then I can come back to that person. And that's again, something with the synergetic play therapy is coming back to yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think, it all touches each other, but I feel like it's like a layer, an onion, you know, you're just undoing the layers and getting deeper. And so that's kind of where I'm at is like, how do we live in uh, knowing that everything's uncertain and, you know, we can't control everything and just living for today or just being grateful or, you know, doing all those things that really help us be um, more mentally and just physically well.
0: What does that phrase "being versus doing" mean to you?
1: So, I had to journey this because I feel like that's like been a buzz like phrase for a while. I don't know about you all, but it's like I went to a presentation on I think it was intergenerational trauma, and the presenter's like, "Yeah, you need to do more being instead of doing." It's the like. You know, uh, more ethnic communities are about doing or being and not doing. And I, so I asked the presenter, I was like, So what do you, how do you be? They're like, They couldn't answer me. (laughs) They couldn't answer me. And that's like, that's why I've been trying to journey. What does it mean being? And I think it's just doing something, not with an outcome, like meditation. You're not necessarily like, Oh, wow, I'm going to be a certain way after. It's about like being in the present moment and working on whatever that experience is, right? Like, Oh, I got monkey mind. Okay. Or no, I'm in, you know, a more wise and meditative state right now. I can be more thoughtful and you know, it's like, just not having that. Like I need to have this done by six o'clock or I'm not good enough. So just really like, you know, like I told you, I planted that garden. Do I know if I'm going to have any plants? I'd have no clue. I have no clue if I'm going to have these plants. Um, but I thought I want to have the experience of planting a garden. So I just did it. So it's was kind of like that journey, mm-hmm. you know, versus the destination. I guess that's another way I mm-hmm. think of it. So know,
0: Knowing that you're in process, that you're here now, that you're aware, um, I think it it kind of reminds me of like left brain right brain too as far as we need both we need to be and do <laughs> right mm-hmm. i mean if we just sat around being all the time we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to survive on the planet either but um certainly being able to pause and notice maybe might be an important part yeah. of that
1: i think you're right with the like creativity right in a lot of ways when we're creative we're not necessarily like Oh, this is what's gonna happen for my creativity or just having fun um or being childlike. And it's like, man, I'm just gonna go jump in that trampoline and it's just gonna be fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're not
2: creating masterpieces. I love that about art therapy. It's not about this is gonna be good enough to put up on the wall. It's the act of do <laughs> so being and doing it. It's the act yeah. of doing it. <laughs> um but without an expectation. Like you yeah. said, um, Angela, on what the result will be.
1: Yeah, and so that's like to me when I had mentioned like our our society, our American society is about again. When are you going to get that degree? When are you going to get married? When are you going to get that you know certain amount of money? When are you going to get that certain car? Or whatever
2: that number of likes on your picture, those number of oh, followers gosh. on your on your podcast, <laughs> um, or you know that social um designation for the next
1: level up. Mm-hmm. Right. And you and I think that misses like you're saying even hey, I got to this space so far. Like we never even at least me uh haven't always stopped and like hey, I'm in the middle here. I'm in the in between and that's great too, you know? Like I, you know, for example, I went to therapy for the last month. Did I get where I wanted to go? Maybe not. Maybe it's just like me showing up and being vulnerable and committing to myself to do the work. Maybe I'm not like, and that's something because I have done my own therapy that I try to teach to my clients too is like, hey, you know, last week, this is what we talked about. And this week, this is what we did. Or you've been coming for a month. How are you gonna celebrate this week? Like, I really try to put those like small wins in now that I didn't think about or do before.
0: And knowing that showing up matters, you know, we can't be in a healing space if we don't be intentional with showing up and being vulnerable and leaning into it. We don't know what it's going to look like on the other side of that. It's a process. I think some of that is that being and becoming, you know, we're in a journey with that. And so that's good stuff to reflect on. We like to close out our episodes with either an affirmation, a gratitude, a mantra, something that's kind of a takeaway that's landing with you. If there's anything that you kind of want to bring closure to our time together
2: with Sarah or Angela. I can go first. Um, All right. I said I'll go first, but I actually don't have anything. (laughs) But I'm going to do it. Anyway, okay. Um, I am grateful for, I'm just, all right. I'm, this is it. I'm grateful for being, um, I'm grateful that I don't have to produce and create a masterpiece in anything I do. Um, in everything that I do. So I'm grateful that it's all, it all matters. It all counts. Um, cause every little step of showing up matters, even if it doesn't look and produce what you wanted or thought you needed in that moment um so i'm grateful for this reminder to
1: be here be here now awesome that's a good one um so the affirmation or the thought because this is one i think i keep a lot is enjoy the little things mm-hmm. and i think that it goes a little bit bigger is it like enjoy the little things because one day they might be the big things is that like more or less how the saying goes? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I enjoy that little saying. I have it everywhere. Like I have a little note here in front of me. I think I have a little little, uh, decorative thing behind me. And so I think it speaks a lot to our conversation today is just like, enjoy whatever, you know, I enjoy our time today. I don't know where it's gonna go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we might, hit it off and become great friends or you know might be just this time i don't know it's like but i enjoyed our time yeah
0: yeah and the willingness like sarah you're saying the willingness to show up matters and it's in the little things i love that too angela and just so glad that you're with us today to process the very things that we've been talking about in a different way and it's been a delight so that's yeah so
1: good to have you Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. You both were a delight as well.
0: So listeners, thank you for being with us. And if you get a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, we would love that to help spread the word about our podcast. Uh, offer support and free mental health to people a sense of community and that we're not alone we're journeying life together i think is so important Um, we are on instagram and facebook for little um, small encouragement things that that we put out in the episodes they are there um, in a visual way as a small segments that you can take with you which is another um, support that we want to offer to you so Um, So glad that you are here with us today and we will see you next time.